Well, hey, good morning, everybody. Uh, so glad to have you here. I cannot believe that we are already in the middle of July. Like, where's the, the summer already going? Uh, my wife and I are already talking about uh, our daughter getting ready to go back to school in August, which is just so bizarre. Uh, we're taking our vacation uh, in uh, less than a week. We leave on Saturday, and we're going up to Santa Cruz, California. Um, we love that place. We love the Redwoods, uh, and it's kind of our retreat. It's where we go to kind of get refreshed and, uh, and things like that. I have been, uh, I started a sermon series last week, and we're doing Summer in the Psalms. Do you like that? Do you like, the, what, you like what I did there? Summer in the Psalms. And, uh, but I really, truly felt like I wanted to uh, dive into the Psalms. The Psalms are special, and the Psalms are different than other books of the Bible. You have your books that are kind of uh, history books, right? They're kind of describing and explaining uh, what's going on. And then, of course, you know, you have more of like uh, your letters, the Paul's letters, which he's addressing people and he's encouraging and he's teaching and things like that. But the Psalms are, are unique because the Psalms are uh, really, uh, you know, they were written kind of, uh, you know, as, as worship songs, as, 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 as kind of love letters to God, as, as uh, uh, you know, if someone was struggling or wrestling and they would kind of write down their thoughts, it was, it was almost kind of a poetry uh, to the Psalms, that they're not just, you know, these books in the Bible, um, you know, that are just explaining things. You actually, if you really pay attention, you, you actually see kind of the, the curtain pulled back a little bit and you see the reality uh, of life. You see what people were really going through. You see, you know, David wrote the majority of the Psalms. He didn't write all of them, uh, but he, he, he wrote almost 50 Psalms himself. And a lot of them are, are serious. A lot of them, you know, some of them he even starts off and he's, he's, he's afraid or he's angry or he's wrestling with the fact that, God, are you there? Are you paying attention to me? Are you, you know, where have you gone? Or are some of the Psalms that David's even read, he's exposing himself and his own sin. You know, he's, he's asking, he's literally repenting, uh, you know, to God. The, the Psalms are very intimate and I love them because they're probably, you know, when you really think about it, it's really how you can relate to all of those people you read about in the Bible and you really hear their heart and not just the story, which sometimes can feel a little cold. So last uh, week we looked at the Psalm 1. It, it's one of my favorite Psalms um, and it's, in fact, it's my, one of my life verses. It's one of those Psalms I come back to all the time, you know, uh, uh, and the, the one kind of takeaway from Psalm 1 that we talked about last week is it's, I, this thought of, you know what, what voice am I going to listen to? Am I going to listen to the voice of the Lord or, or am I going to listen to the other voices that seem to just want to draw my attention? You know, uh, you know, blessed is the man who doesn't sit in the council of the ungodly or stand in the seat, you know, all, all those things, you know, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and that law, he meditates day and night. It's this choice. Who am I going to listen to? Where am I going to invest my time? And, and, and who, who, do I, who have I put around me that is he, I'm allowing to even speak into my life? And so I left and I asked you this question. So if you weren't here last week, here was the question. Do the people around you, this is a good litmus test, 
Do the people around you, do they encourage you and do they, do they, do they push you closer to God? Or do they make you indifferent or even pull you away from God? Who are the people that you have around you, those close people? Now, let me pause there and say, Jesus also sat and ate with sinners. So this isn't about disconnecting from the world. But when it comes to who you are listening to, your truth, what is your truth? What are the things that you believe? Because you'll be able to tell kind of your truth by, by what you're allowing you know, yourself to, to pay attention to, to listen to. So that's kind of what Psalm 1 is all about. It's all about your, your delight needs to be in the law of the Lord. And that law, meditate on it day and night. Because then that will become your truth. That will be the voice that you are listening to. And that way you'll be able to push all of those other voices out of your head and you will know what the truth. And what does the Bible say about the truth? The truth will set you free. The truth will set you free. So now we're going to look at Psalm 23. Psalm 23 has to be one of the most famous of all psalms. You're all going to know it. Every single one of you could come up here and recite Psalm 23. <laughs> and... and and to be honest, I was a little intimidated because there's been greater pastors and teachers than me who have come along and done a great job of explaining Psalm 23, but I also felt like I couldn't skip it. I also felt like I need to do Psalm 23. Psalm 23 is an amazing psalm. It was written by David. They actually believe that David wrote Psalm 23, though probably by the time he was a king, or, or at least he was already, you know, beyond being a shepherd boy, but yet here he is, you know, let's just go ahead and for the sake of the argument, here he is, King David, right, ruler of Israel, and he's writing this psalm about a shepherd, which, okay, let me put this in perspective for, for you. So shepherds were not well-liked people, okay? They were stinky. They were usually brash right? They were usually probably the ones, you know, cussing and smoking and spitting and, you know, all those kinds of things. Those were shepherds. They were like, this, man, talk about the salt of the earth kind of people. They were rough and rugged and, and you know, they, they, were, they didn't like to hang out in public places, right? These are shepherds. And David is acknowledging his life when he was a shepherd. In fact, it was such, uh, the, the, you know, some of the commentaries say, that uh, shepherding was such a lowly position that if a family was in uh, that business, that it usually fell to the youngest son. And you guys all remember that story? Where is David found? He's found shepherding because he was the youngest son of Jesse. He was where, if you didn't, you know, it, it, where nobody wanted to be found, that's where David was found. And he's actually acknowledging that. He's actually reminiscing and reminding himself of that time when he was a lowly shepherd boy. Stinky, sweaty, nobody wanting to come around, nobody wanting to talk to him. And now he is King David. I, I have to imagine that there were similarities in shepherding and being a king, right? Because you have to take care of and you're responsible for and there's this... You know, and we're going to look into it. We're going to dive into it really in the scripture. But, but man, you know, David had to have been going, man, being a king was just like being a shepherd. 
You know, Chuck, perfectly, by the way, we didn't talk about this at all, but Chuck talked about how God was preparing him in a season where he was like, what am I doing here? But God was actually preparing him for another season that he had no idea was coming. God does the same thing with you and me. You may be in a season right now where you're saying to yourself, what am I doing here? What is this? I am a lowly shepherd, right? I am hanging around with stinky sheep. By the way, if you are a parent, you will completely understand what I am talking about. <laughs> right? Herding cats. It's like being a mom or a dad. But here's David. And David also must have seen the similarity of his relationship with God. God the shepherd. And this is even where this, this beautiful psalm starts to take shape. So let's take a look at it. Psalm 23, if you want to turn to it. Uh, in your books, I will be reading it out of the New Living Translation this time. Uh, last week I read out of the New King James. Psalm 23, a psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. We're going to stop right there. Because to be honest with you, you could preach from just the first verse of Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. You see, many people talk about this psalm and they usually relate to how stupid sheep are. Did you guys know that? Sheep are really dumb animals. And there's been whole sermons where they talked about how dumb sheep are and how we're like sheep and how dumb we are and how blah, 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 blah. But really... It's not just about that. David is really uh, using this picture because sheep aren't, it's not about how, you know, smart or dumb they are. It's the fact that they are completely and utterly dependent upon the shepherd. The sheep's life is 100% dependent upon the shepherd. Where they eat, where they drink, where they find shelter, everything is based upon the shepherd that is taking care of them. And here are three things that sheep are dependent on shepherds for. And by the way, there's more. But here's three basic things. The first one is for provision, right? Provision. And it's interesting because in, uh, in Genesis 22.14, we see Abraham. Abraham, you guys all know the story where he goes up and takes Isaac up onto the mountain. And, and you know, he's supposed to sacrifice his son. But, but God steps in and God says, no, here's a goat. You're going to sacrifice the goat instead. And, and on that time, Abraham calls God Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. You see, it is in God's very nature to provide for you. But here's the thing. We have to be dependent upon him to be able to receive his provision. You can't say, no, I got it, God, over here, and I'll take care of myself over here. Maybe you can just take care of those things. You know, it's not about dividing it all up, and I'll do this, and you do that, and here we go, and stuff like that. It's about being 100% complete dependency upon God. And by the way, that's a trust issue. That's a trust issue. You have to be saying, you know what, God? From day to day, every morning I wake up, I give my life to you, and I say all of my provision, you know, all of my needs will come from you. 
From, you know, a roof over my head to food on my table to a job to friends to family. All of that, Lord, I am completely dependent upon you for. Another thing is sheep are dependent for shepherds for guidance. Once, uh, once sheep have eaten all of the grass in an area, you can't stay there, right? You have to move. You have to kind of move on. But by the way, sheep are dumb. They don't know where the next grassy field is, but the shepherd does. The shepherd knows where the next safe place to go graze at. And so what does he do? He, he round, you know, rounds them all up and, and says, all right, guys, let's go. And he heads off and they follow him and they go to the next place. He guides them. You know, Psalm 119 refers to the word of God being a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. We don't know where to go. I, you may feel like sheep sometimes. God, I don't know where to go from here. I don't know, I'm, I'm not seeing clearly, you know, the path, and it's interesting, I've actually heard uh, that Psalm uh, 119 scripture uh, referred to as the, a lamp, the lamp that they're referring to, lighting up the path, only surrounded, you know, maybe just a couple feet around, you know, the person, the, you know, when they're talking about an actual lamp. That God only gives you enough so that you can go, okay, I need to go take these two steps, and then, and then okay, well, now what? And then these two steps, and then, okay, now what? You know, the, that is being dependent upon the shepherd for his guidance. I, I, I have been a Christian, a, 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 you know, I've believed in God since I was five years old. But I'll tell you, I still, to this day, panic about my future. I still wonder, wait a minute, God, wait a minute, can we just stop for a second? Because I don't know what's going to happen in the next couple months. Slow down, hold on, what's going on? And I panic, and I freak out, and anxiety sets, sets in, and I'm wondering, God, are you really going to, uh, is it really going to be okay? Are you really going to get me there? Are you really going to take care of me? You know what's interesting? He's never failed me. Never. Has times gotten scary? Yes. But he has never, ever failed me, yet I continue to panic when I can't see past the two feet marker. God, can you make the lamp a little bit brighter? Can I see a little bit further down? And he's saying, no, trust me, Matthew. Trust me. I will guide you. God, God guides us. We needed to be dependent upon the shepherd for our guidance. Protection. One of the things that a shepherd provides, a good shepherd, will provide protection. Psalms 94 refers to God as a mighty fortress. A mighty fortress, okay? So put that picture in your mind. God isn't just hiding behind, you know, like a tree for protection when an army's attacking you. It's God's literally like securing yourself in a mighty fortress. So why do we panic when things get tough? Why do we freak out when we feel like the enemy is pressing in on us, when we feel like we're being attacked? Why do we panic? Because we need to remind ourselves that God is there to protect us. Because a good shepherd, as David is describing, he protects his sheep. Jesus referred to himself as the good shepherd in John uh, chapter 10. John 10, 11, he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for his sheep. Okay, so here's what he's saying. Listen, 
I'm going to not just protect you. I am going to put my life down for you. If it gets hairy, I will be there. If, it, I mean, if we're talking about death standing at our door, Jesus says, you do not have to worry. I will take care of it. I am willing to literally sacrifice my life for you. That is a good shepherd. We know the stories of David himself. David experienced this firsthand, right? Because it actually says that David battled, you know, two animals before he ever battled Goliath. It says there was a bear and a lion that tried to come and attack his sheep. And guess what? David fought them both off. All right? Now, I don't know about you, but I've been up to Big Bear, I've been up to Running Springs, and I've been next to a bear. And these aren't even the big kind, right? These are just the docile, and, and no joke, I was up at this place called Camp Cedarcrest, and, you know, of course, they well, hey, guys, the bears are out, be careful, blah, blah, blah. And so I'm strolling, and I happen to be walking around where the trash cans are, because they're looking for food, and I saw the bear. And he was started on his all fours, and then he got up on his back twos to look into the trash can. He didn't even see me, and I walked in, and I went, whoa, and I got out of there. I was out. By the way, I was in no mood or even no state to wrestle him. I was not going to even attempt or try. So I can't imagine, I'm trying to picture it, you know, imagine that thing coming at you, and David's like, let's do this. Let's get it on, you know? I, you know, there's always those guys, like, I always think of the guys back in, like, the 50s and stuff in the 60s, they're always wrestling a bear and a, you know what I mean? That was David. And, okay, let's just go, a lion, all right? Okay, okay, the bear, you think, all right, you know, the bear, you know, maybe he, like, scared him off or something like that. Lions don't get scared off, all right? They're it. There's nothing bigger than a lion, and yet it says David, he fought the lion. But by the way, David was sacrificing himself. He realized that to protect my sheep, by the way, I would not do that. Sorry, Dad, the sheep are gone. I, they were there, and then they weren't. Don't mind all the blood and all the carnage. But if a lion were to walk up to our sheep, we would be out of business. We would be in a completely new business. But yet, here's David putting his life on the line for the sheep, sacrificing. And Jesus says, I am a good shepherd. I will be, I will do the exact thing. When the bear and the lion come to attack you, I will literally stand in the middle for you. We'll stand in that gap. Sheep are dependent upon the shepherd for provision, guidance, and protection. But a good shepherd sacrifices himself for the safety of the sheep. We see this in the life of Jesus. He also spends, and here's, here's the great thing, he spends quality time with his sheep. Because John 10, 14 says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me. The only way that Jesus can say that he knows you if he's spending time with you. Now, when I was a kid, I, God always felt, I, knew, I believed in God, I knew God was real, but God seemed like distant in a sense he seemed like he was way up there like in a a a business building like a ceo right you know what i mean you had to call for an appointment or something like that and if you tried to get into the lobby they would usher you right out you know and i did i never felt like god was something i could just go like hang out with 
But the thing is, is Jesus is constantly trying to, to dispel that image that I am not some far off God, that I am God, a God that wants to have a personal, interactive relationship with you. I want to be involved in your every day because then if you're spending time with him, you will begin to hear his voice and you'll be able to distinguish his voice from all the other ones. There's a reason why Jesus uses this verbiage about they will know my voice. Well, what other voices are there? I love the video. Chuck and I were talking about it. There's a video on YouTube and this guy, this this sheep herder guy uh, has all these people, and he probably does this as a trick for all the people that come along and want to you know, see, and it's kind of this fun thing that he does. And he says, all right, go ahead and stand at the fence and see all that my sheep on the hill. Go ahead, and I dare you to call them. Try calling them. So they sit there, hey, sheep, 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 come on. You know, and they all do they, all these things. They don't, they don't move. They don't budge. And then finally the shepherd says, all right, guys, move away, move away, watch this. And he just goes, yep. And they all go, They heard the shepherd's voice. They distinguished. They just didn't hear a voice. They distinguished his voice amongst all the other voices. You see, Jesus is a good shepherd, and he wants to have that kind of relationship with you that you're not confused anymore about, well, what voice am I listening to? No, because if you're spending time with him, you will know how to recognize his voice from amongst all the others. Let's go on to verse 2. See, I told you you could preach just out of verse 1. Verse 2. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. You see, the good shepherd guides his sheep to prosperity and what is best for them. So, okay, so I did lie a little bit. We really are dumb like sheep. God knows what's best for you. God knows that, and to be honest with you, when we're left to ourselves, we usually make the wrong decision every time. I know. I've made tons of wrong decisions. And they're usually because I made the decision all by myself. And I continue to do that. Why do I do that? Why do I not learn, right? But the one thing that you can put your trust in the good shepherd in God is that if you put that dependency upon him, he will guide you to the perfect scenario, to the perfect place every single time. Because he knows what you need even better than you. Because he can see beyond that two-foot lamp-lit space that we're talking about. I want to show you a video, and it is this beautiful picture of what, <laughs> wow, of what the world uh, looks like and our dependency upon God. And I'm going to show you the video, and then I'll kind of ex- explain it a, a little bit. So, uh, Jonathan, this is a, a, a video of a shepherd trying to get his sheep across a busy highway.
perfect illustration of life with Jesus. Because, see, here's the thing. I would be freaking out as a sheep, not understanding what are these giant, loud, stinky things that are barreling down at me, right? And what you would probably do is panic. How many have ever seen, like, a deer when you're driving down, you know, well, by the way, hopefully none of you have seen an actual deer in the, the road. Because what deer do is deer panic. That's why they call it deer in the headlights. They panic and they freeze, right? How many of you have seen those little goats where you scare them and then they, like, and they just like tip over, right? That, that's, that's my life, by the way. That is me spiritually. You know, things are, and I'm done. But this picture is exactly what God is asking from you. He's saying, trust me, because I will get you across the busy, scary, crazy street, right? How, did you notice how calm those sheep were? Now, I just was picturing me trying to cross the street like with my own children, let alone 50 of them, right? Uh, how many of you are parents? How many of you wish your kids listened to you as well as those sheep were paying attention to that shepherd, right? There's a life lesson in that. It was, it's, an, it's amazing, and that is, this is why David is using this illustration of a shepherd, because he will do that for you. But what do you have to do? You have to depend on him. You have to trust him. You have to not let what your eyes see freak you out and trust that he's going to take care of me and he's going to get me to the other side. The only way to try to find true contentment is to follow Jesus. I don't know if you're asking yourself and you're saying, you know, I just can't seem to find contentment in my life. Let me tell you something. You can search the globe you will never find contentment in anything except Jesus. I just watched a documentary on, on the, the great late Cary Grant. And Cary Grant, actually, his whole life, he, didn't, he couldn't find contentment. He was Cary Grant, right? He was a famous, wealthy, you know, amazingly handsome actor, and yet, I, they were talking about his memoirs, and he, was so, he had this hole in his heart that he couldn't seem to fill. The only contentment you will ever find is in Jesus. Yes. But God leads us. God leads us into green meadows. He leads us into peaceful streams, and he guides us. Those green meadows are his provision. Those peaceful streams are his refreshment. And he guides us. He gives us his best. He's going to find his best for you. All right, verse 4. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid. For you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. All of a sudden... The, 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 the scripture changes. Hey, what happened to peaceful meadows? What happened to refreshing streams? Wait a minute, I didn't sign up for the darkest valley part. It's interesting, and I, this is what I love about God's word. He, God never candy coats life. God never promises you, hey, your life is going to be perfect. You're never ever, you know, gonna hurt. You're never ever gonna have pain, blah, 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 blah. You know, you're never, 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 all, you know, all that stuff. He never, ever promises that. What he does promise is that he will never leave you when times get hairy. 
When times are scary, when you're freaking out, when it seems it's darkest, the one thing God promises is that he will be right there beside you because that is what a good shepherd does. He knows, that shepherd knew, I can't get around this street. I'm going to have to take them across the street. It's gonna be scary. They may freak out. I could lose all of them. But if they trust me, I will get them across. And that is what God is asking you. He's asking you to trust him because he's telling you if you do trust him, he will get you to the other side of that dark valley. There's three things in this, just this one verse. The first one is, is that God is with us in the valley. He is with us. The second thing is, is his rod is there. It talks about a rod and a staff. The rod they believed was the stick for beating off the bad people, right? The, the, the lions and bears, right? That was the rod. That rod wasn't there just about punishing you know, us. Sometimes we think about the rods there that, you know. by the way, how many of you, and I felt this way too sometimes in my Christianity, I thought God was up there with a giant baseball bat, and the minute I messed up, he was gonna come and crack me over the head. That's not who God is. In fact, that big baseball bat he's holding is for your enemy. And he's waiting for your enemy to get out of the line because he's gonna crack them over the head. But God is our protector. Then it talks about his staff. The staff was for, you know, that guidance, that prodding, that, hey, you need a little direction. Hey, I'm gonna kind of smack you over here a little bit on the side because you're going the wrong direction. We need to go that way. So when the Bible, when the scripture is referring to his rod and his staff, he's really saying, listen, I will protect you and I will guide you. I will protect you and I will guide you. Lastly, David describes God as a gracious host. All of a sudden, the scene changed. No longer is he talking about a shepherd anymore. But in verse 5, it says this. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessing. You see, it was a host's job to take care of, you know, who was in his home. So one of the things he would have done was he would have offered them anointing oil, sweet fragrance, so that they didn't smell stinky anymore, you know, washed their feet, uh, taken care of them. But another thing that was the responsibility of the host that if you were at my house, nobody was going to hurt you. If, if there were some marauders out there, that it was the host's job to keep you safe, to protect you, to basically provide security, right? That was the host's job. I love this. Uh, this is actually a quote from, from uh, Kidner. It says, in the Old Testament world, to eat and drink at someone's table created a bond of mutual loyalty, and could be the culminated token of a covenant. So to be God's guest is to be more than an acquaintance invited for a day. It is to live with him. See, when, when God is pre preparing a table before you, it's not as this guest, like, oh, I'm here for dinner, and then, I, and then I'm gone. He's actually saying, I want to be in covenant with you. I actually want to become family, Right? I want to become family. When I, when I go visit my parents in Henderson, you know what I mean? They don't treat me just like a guest. I'm family. I'm allowed to open the refrigerator and pull anything out that I want, right? Unless it's my dad's. 
But I mean, you know, my mom says, oh, honey, go help yourself. Go, go in the pantry, whatever you want. What do you want? Anything, is, you know what I mean? Anything that is theirs is mine. And that's this idea of when God says, I prepare a banquet, a, a, a prepared table before you. Anything that is mine is yours. Anything that is mine is yours. Verse 6. And here's where David kind of brings this psalm home. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Surely your goodness. I asked you guys, I can't remember if it was a week or two weeks ago, but I asked you this question. Do you believe that God is good? Now, do not give me the Christianese answer. Do you believe that God is good? And I'll test that. Because we have all had horrible things happen in our lives. Many of you know, and I won't get into the details, but many of you know that my wife and I, uh, you know, we were uh, pregnant with twin girls and we lost those twin girls at 20 weeks. Is God good? Many of you have been in disastrous relationships. Is God good? Many of you have lost loved ones in your life. Is God good? Many of you have had the most horrific things happen to you. Is God good? You need to ask yourself that question. Because if you can honestly say, despite all of those things, that God, yes, you are good, then that will change the way you think and the way you see everything in your life. Because God is good. But it's more than just being able for us to say that God is good. We need to believe that God is good. Because then if we believe that God is good, we will be like those sheep in the video. We will trust him with our absolute lives and we'll say, God, take me and direct me anywhere that you want, even when it looks scary. So I ask you this, and you don't even have to answer it today. Is God good? So surely your goodness and your unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. Another quote. We are all escorted with a shepherd in front and these two twin angels behind. This is from Mayer. Spurgeon said this, these twin guardian angels will always be with me at my back and, uh, and my back. Just as when great princes go abroad, they must not go unattended. So it is with the believer. It's a beautiful picture, I actually never thought about it, that when you have the shepherd in front of you guiding, and then you have these two, you know, he pictures them as angels, basically goodness, God's goodness, and God's mercy flanking behind you, you are completely covered as a believer, right? You should find security in that. You should find absolute peace in that God has got you covered from the front and from the back. In the last bit of verse six, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The psalm ends with the calmest assurance that we would enjoy the presence of the Lord forever, both in our time here on earth and for all eternity. Isn't that what we are all striving for? That I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Ever. We're not talking about just peace for today. 
We're talking about an eternal peace that is never ending. That is a promise. That is a promise to the believer that God has got you and, it, and he will never, ever, ever let you go. Will you guys bow your heads and close your eyes with me? I want to ask you just a couple questions. Are you allowing God to shepherd you? Are you allowing him to take care of you like a gracious host? You see, it's not just learning or knowing that God is these things. It's interacting with him in these things. If you're struggling, if you feel lost, if you feel, I, I don't know which way to go, I'm telling you the answer is allowing the good shepherd to guide you, to direct you, because he's the only one that can walk you through the valley that you may feel like you're in. He is the only one that will lead you to those refreshing, peaceful streams. He's the only one that can provide exactly what you need at exactly the right time. I have a question for you. If you have never ever asked Jesus Christ into your life, if you have never ever invited him into your life and completely said, you know what? My complete dependence is upon you, Lord. If you've never done that and you would like to do that right here and right now, you can. Don't let another moment go by, but to allow the good shepherd to take care of you. If that is you, I would just ask that you would simply slip up your hand and let your eyes meet mine in this private moment. See, the Bible says this, that if we confess our sins, that he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. The Bible also says that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, then we're saved. It's sim simple belief. There's nothing that you can do to earn his love. It's already been given. You just have to receive it. If that's something that you'd like to do, maybe for the first time today, or maybe you've done it before, but you just feel distant and want to recommit your life to him, just simply let me see so that I can pray for you, so that I can praise God with you, and I can even help you through this season of your life. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you. We worship you. Father, we ask for your peace this morning. Lord, I don't know why, but the word trust just kept popping in my head. I feel like that we have a hard time trusting I encourage you, stop putting your trust in man. Stop putting your trust in just people or even stop putting your trust in maybe what this world has to offer you. Put your trust in the only one that you can trust and that is Jesus. 
and that is Jesus, our provider, the one who guides us, the one who protects us. So Father God, I pray for everyone here today, Lord, a blessing upon them, that not only would the good shepherd go before them and guide them and protect them, but Lord God, your goodness and your mercy would follow them all the days of their lives, completely surrounding them. Lord, may we sense your presence here this morning. May we learn to engage with you in trust and obedience. Let us not be like that lost sheep that's wandering, that even though you might come after us, Lord God, but let us be those sheep that follow you every moment of every day. Lord, we love you. We thank you for this time together. In Jesus' name, amen.